Welcome to the Metal Zone Podcast from January 6th, 2021. This is episode 41, and I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And on today's podcast episode, we are going to talk about the current status on Corona for us and for the world, I guess. Um, <laughs> different uplifting news or updates from our side. We had our belt pr printers for a couple of weeks now and just yeah talk a bit how it's going with them what issues we have and what we could potentially do with them then on the news topics again two times faster 3d printing um a service that or a service that is promoted on kickstarter that um, basically shapes the accelerations of your printer to make it faster um also basically on the same topic we just briefly talk about how would we design the fastest 3D printer we could think of for unpatient persons like myself? Yeah, and if you want something that's more plug and play, I guess there are two products or concepts that are being put into development um, for really fast resin printing. One of them is the rotational reverse uh, CT scan approach, and the other one is a I explain it in the, in the in the episode. Just just stick along. <laughs> it's, it's too much to explain right now, but it is it is a really nice, interesting concept that, um, yeah, unfortunately is already patented. So uh, we go on a bit of of a, of a patent rant there. Um, yeah, stick around for that. Then for some more stuff, um, there are quick change platforms that are pushing into the market. There are several ones that you can choose from right now. And we take a look at the Wham Bam Mutant system that I have for review right now. And lastly, we talk about, you know, whether doing reviews and, and the, the YouTube stuff we're doing traditionally is even still worth it. You ready? All of that Corona hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i it's it's getting to a point where it's becoming unmanageable so i i also definitely need to go to a hairdresser so i think the last time when i went was two weeks before my daughter was born so that was half a year ago yeah. it does they, they don't look as long on my head as as they really are when they're for example wet. <laughs> That's the advantage, but it's uh, yeah, it's starting to get a bit Cur crazy. Curly hair is good in that regard. I mean, if, for me, it's just like okay, this this is unbearable. <laughs> it's just in my face everywhere. Uh, fun fact: I used to wear my hair almost down to my shoulders many years ago. <laughs> many years ago, dyed it dyed it like white once or or, or white blonde <laughs> once. That that was that was that, those were fun times. <laughs> Uh, well, some photos from that. If, if you would dye them black now you could do like a um not a goth style um oh man i'm already i'm already forget about okay okay <laughs> you know for, for the time being I'm, I'm just glad that i still have as much hair as i do you know i'm i'm, I'm heading towards 30 uh and I've, i know people who have you know started losing hair at 25 so I'm, yeah. I'm glad that I, I still have as much as I do. Yeah. yeah. No, no need in start po polishing your your bald head at the moment. Nah, but but that's that's oh. one thing I can guarantee. Like as as soon as like it it it, it starts getting thin, mm. it's just all going. It's just all going. <laughs> I'm going bald. Um, yeah. 
Anyways, how, how have you been holding up with the uh, Corona situation? Which is <sighs> just yesterday we got some some exciting new uh, well restrictions. Yeah, but not not, not much is changing for me. Well, at least. it is. So I was also thinking that not that much is changing. But one of the things that I think is really significant is that in like persons now also children are counted. So oh, are they? Actually, I'm not allowed anymore to take my daughter to my parents because we would, I would be like one family plus, well, plus me too many, an additional yeah. person. Yeah, I thought it was still like uh, children under fourteen aren't counted, but I, that's yeah. okay. That's that is that that's pretty significant, and I don't know if right. if like everyone's really aware of that. Um, yeah, I and think it's the right step. To be totally honest. Um, I, I still wish they would do more because it's still, hey, you can still meet with people. You can still, you know, go go shopping. You can still do basically everything. Yeah. And reasonable people probably have been living or have been restricting themselves to basically what is now law for everyone for the last months anyways. Definitely. So, uh, well, we, we're basically just like paying the price of, well, the stupidity of others it's it's also it's also you know the politics always tries to find compromises and like we we saw the uh the travel or the the mobility restrictions where you can't mm. be further than 15 kilometers from your your place of residence if the mm. uh seven day what's it what's it in english um cases per one hundred thousand, yeah mm, is over 200 uh yeah. and the original suggestion or the original um the original position was okay if it's over 100 per 100,000 people and now it's like well we made a compromise and it's 200 you can't make compromises with the virus like it doesn't care no. <laughs> yeah um yeah and the, i i put this i put the corona topic in here just because i i, I we talked about this briefly before uh, before we got started here but I feel incredibly stupid for, you know, casually mentioning something like, oh, you know, they, they said it's just another uh, another flu at the beginning of this year on, on one of the episodes. And it's like, mm. damn, you should have known better. Um, and just 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 to be just to be completely uh, open about that, like that, that was when almost nobody knew what exactly was going on and my, my position changed pretty dramatically after that and it's like well this might actually kind of suck you know <sighs> yeah you, you are you are definitely right about that let's just hope that i don't know we're still like basically in the middle of winter but with spring and summer and vaccinations and stuff like that things are getting more and more to the way well they, they basically used to be i was actually looking forward to so so i have an additional two months of parental leave this year and one of my big dreams actually was to just rent an rv that's like double double well uh, to rent an rv in the in the us and do like whole east coast then to the west coast and all the way up to, to seattle but that's definitely not going to happen then the next plan was uh, to just basically do a, a big Europe trip in like May and June before like the big holiday season starts. But just as it looks right now, I'm also not really confident that yeah. that that's going to happen. 
Yeah, my, which kind of upsets me. But the, I'm okay with it. Be, 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 because he, he, the hope was okay. In summer, it's all gonna be over basically um mm. and there were there were voices that were saying okay you know by summer we're going to be able to provide a vaccine to or we're going to provide a vaccination to everyone who wants it which right now it's not really looking like that's gonna happen um my dad's already planning for i mean we, we skipped our our annual bike trip last year um we were gonna mm. do um i think france southern france or something um and he's now planning for it this year but i think i got a I gotta like bring him in a bit more because it's, uh, that's probably not gonna happen either. Yeah. Oh well. But it's we 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 do what we must, right? Indeed. Yeah. I'm. I am. I'm happy about it, but I definitely do accept it yeah. for the health of my family and and everybody else. Yeah. There's hopefully going to be a a post-corona time. <laughs> You've, yeah. you've you've seen the memes like hey this is COVID-19 new year comes along oh this is COVID-20 this is COVID-2021 yeah um, yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah I yeah I, I generally I tend I try to be an optimist which was again why I, why I was like okay this if this is just a flu then that's fine which is why you know when we were rushing to Chicago airport I was like we've got time yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I try to be an optimist. I try just yeah. not to 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 work myself up over stuff I have no control over. Mm. So we'll it, be getting over that. I well, we we shouldn't talk too much about that topic. Well, at at least start the podcast on that topic. Yeah. So let's 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 just pick another topic, right? Belt printers, second Belt one. Printers. Um, yeah. So you, you have to... yours. I have mine. I have printed. Where is at least a little bit with it uh, i don't know how much you did with it how how happy or, or unhappy are you with it so i've okay uh i have the one with the like second generation belt i think joel has yeah. the one that has a super sticky belt um as do a lot of other early reviewers yeah Excuse i me. also have the same one as you do um yeah and we have the like it, it feels very dry it feels very hard um and i've been having massive troubles getting stuff to stick to it at all um you know when you have when you have a printer that can print extremely large parts you also want those large parts to stick down right it's it's mm -hmm. not just okay small parts need to, and so that was a, a major challenge um i have since received a v3 belt which feels a lot more rubbery a lot more tacky actually mm -hmm. um I think it's also got a slightly finer mesh weave, but that might mm -hmm. be... I'd, I'd have to really compare them one-to-one. -one. And I've not put that on the printer yet. The printer right now is disassembled. It has the belt platform moved from the frame, which is surprisingly easy to do. Um, and yeah, I, I need to put the new belt on. I need to readjust it and then try some of that stuff out. So yeah, that's uh, that's all I've been doing with it. Okay. Yeah, so. that's basically also kind of a similar... I don't know, challenge that I also faced with, with my CR30. It, it is definitely a nice, sturdily built machine, but my biggest challenge so far was also just getting prints to stick on the belt. I tried different filament. Um, I tried Idea Maker, but with Idea Maker, I don't know, I don't get anything to stick on the belt um, because mm. I think so far it doesn't include the modifiers that 
the right. layer that is put on the belt is printed slower and at a at an increased extrusion multiplier. Yeah. And I think that's one of the bad things. I also kind of chipped a little bit away from the silicone socks where you also had issues with, but yeah, right. stictivity of the parts on the belt is definitely a challenge. And I'm in this case, I'm I'm actually quite happy that Naomi was able to ship this machine out to a lot of reviewers because, well, before yeah. the Kickstarter was over and before they even started delivering the printer, because that now gives them the opportunity to fix those things. Because I think at the current state, the belt might, uh, I think, definitely be an issue. Yeah, with the one that we originally received, it's. I think people would have been very unhappy with that. And mm. I mean, you've seen tips like, hey, I'm just going to drench it in hairspray or I'm mm. just going to add stuff to it. With the with a textile belt, that kind of feels wrong because you're mm. never going to get that out again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rather have some, some beta testing going on than shipping something that is going to be essentially broken to, to thousands of, I don't know how many backers were in there, but to thousands of people, let's just say. Mm. Um, what I'm, what I'm also really starting to notice is just how limiting the 45 degree angle is. Okay. And it's like a lot of stuff. I'm, I feel like, okay, I, I might be able to print this on, or I, I want to print this on the belt. It's like, well, but overhangs, you're going to have to print it with all supports. And it, it is very limiting. I, I kind of wish at this point that they would have gone with like a 30, I think 35 degrees D is the shallow one. Um, mm -hmm. That would enable at least some amount of of overhang in which direction? No, away from the nozzle. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, forty five degrees is just puts you at right smack dab vertical, and that's it in one direction. Mm -hmm. So and and it would probably also have increased the pressure of the material onto the belt and yeah. helping it adhere to it. Yeah. Which is one of the things I already did with mine. Um, that that metal plate that the uh, that the hardened sits on. I, I slightly bent that down so that mm -hmm. the the hardened isn't perfectly in line with what the uh, mechanical axes are. But it's like mm -hmm. five or ten degrees pushed mm -hmm. into the belt, so that it's not like it, it. It almost feels like, or it almost looks like it's it's kind of shooting the filament out over the belt instead of pushing it in and on. It's it's just like mm -hmm. squeezing it over. Mm -hmm. so i that that shallower angle might help with that yeah yeah so with a sturdy design i think it's not as easy to modify the angle as on some of the other machines because you basically would have to to shorten also like the front extrusions yeah those and you need a new rear plate yeah that should, it, it should not be too hard, right? You, it I mean, shouldn't you, be too hard. You can yeah. swap those extrusions. They're just standard yeah. 2020s. Should be doable. Yeah. And it's it's something I actually do have on my video list um, for the next couple of months because I, I feel like it it's 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 a an, an innovative process or an innovative machine as is, and it it, it mm -hmm. like enables so many more things, but the practicality of actually using it as a normal 3D printer and not just printing swords and stuff um, mm -hmm. kind of suffers from that mm -hmm. from that very sh uh, very steep 45 degree angle. Yeah. 
that that begs the question uh like how shallow could you go so like the zero degree angle is is basically protected by the patent but (laughs) is 0.1 degrees would that be something that's possible or is that still in within the tolerance range i mean as we already discussed last time converting this machine in like a well just just a core xy printer that has more or less a movable bed would be not hard to do and a a really cool solution yeah um you you do run into some practicality issues if you go yeah. too shallow the shallower you mm. get the lower your like z height um yeah. perpendicular to the to the belt goes yeah. so if you go i think 15 degrees is the lowest you can set in cura um if you go to that you do lose a a very significant amount of your z height mm. so i think you would need to add like a separate z axis to z2 g- axis yeah, yeah <laughs> to, the, to the core xy assembly that raises it up but that I think that kind of gets pretty complicated for slicing because now you have to like separate your your layers that are XY on the core XY mm. into separate sections and then just print mm. one move up and then print the front. Hmm. Mm. That could be very challenging. But yeah, I, I think so. Most, most stuff I print isn't very tall. So I think if I modify mm. them, I might just go straight for the 15 degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's probably really interesting to see how that changes the usability of the machine and also what you now can and can't do with it. Yeah. Cool. No, I'm I'm really interested to see how that progresses. Um I don't know, did you did you already receive a firmware upgrade from Naomi? I didn't know. Or not. do you still Okay. Because what, I think well, it's still there's still a couple of things that that Scott is Scott Lethine, yeah, Lethine, Lethine uh, is still working on, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward for them to be to be implemented in the machine itself. Yeah, I actually do appreciate that that they're working with the people making the components they're using, uh, making yeah. you know Marlin firmware. Scott is the the developer for that, or oh, the the maintainer and main developer, mm-hmm. I guess, for that um yeah not just grabbing it and being like oh yeah we, we added our own stuff to it and now it's you know good luck doing anything else mm. to it because we, we broke everything else they're, mm. they're trying to do it the proper way and if, I, I feel like reality is you know if you have if if you were to choose one manufacturer one you know non i don't know ultimaker prusa non non big western manufacturer i guess it would be mm. reality that that does things the most properly with documentation and software and and the way they develop things they're 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 shaping up pretty well yes um i would be interested if that's just due to the reason that naomi is kind of consulting them and working with them and she has a, a way closer connection to the community or if they also see the benefits in that. I think it's, uh, I, I would say that many of the things that we got from Creality are due to the work that Naomi did in the past, uh, starting with the power loss detection, like one and a half years ago or something like that, where, where they didn't 
want to release that and people were uh like deleting uh, purchase links for CR10s and stuff like that from their video descriptions and stuff like that. And she stepped in and she was the one who was basically able to uh, to convince them to release the source code. Um, right. I, I was not aware of that. Oh. No. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the, I, there's stuff that, the, you know, it's just, there's so much going on. You, you can't know it all. Hmm. Um, yeah, but that's yeah. okay. Okay, that's good. I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of the manufacturers, if you if they go unchecked, if they just do their own thing and and they they're like, okay, we made the business decision to do X Y, and they run with it and get get no pushback, then it just validates what they're doing, basically, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Also, maybe just one last thing. Um, as I said, I was trying to use idea maker for for belt slicing i'm really happy that they kind of invest work in that direction um and that they also already provide uh the software as as a beta version at the moment um st still a lot of issues left i think just with like the process of of uh slicing at a 45 degree angle works but i think that's also just getting us um a, a step forward because if we would just stick with the uh black belt cura that is based on yeah. cura 3.6 or something like that um we we will probably wouldn't be able to uh just get all of the potential out of that uh new kinematics i don't yeah. know yeah and it, it, it never hurts to have you know at least a choice of hey am i going to use mm. software a or software b and you know when you have one piece of software it's usually it's that there, there's a vision behind it um well i guess with with bigger projects there's like a, a whole management team behind it that that dictates the vision but you, you see with like um freecad i guess mm -hmm. freecad small developer team they know okay they want to get something that they can use and and you know they have their own priorities and what they they think is important and what isn't um, but then when something else comes along and it's competing with it, even if it's two non-commercial projects, it's like, okay, we can see these guys took a completely different approach and it might be better, it might be worse, but it's mm -hmm. it's at least something else you can check against and see, okay, what we're doing is better or worse than what they're doing. And, and you know, it, it, just, it just works in everyone's favor, I think. Cool. All right. Shall we proceed with 3d printing news oh yeah yeah we've got four three top three four punch <clears throat> of topics in there today so you put in the first one i put in the first one and i called it two times faster 3d printing wow. uh, sorry for that guys but again it's it's a kickstarter project called ulendo um maybe some of you still remember the picture picture of a white house being printed very fast once with a totally new acceleration algorithm and once with like just standard settings and with the standard settings you had layer shifts just because the printer got into resonances and yeah stepper motors uh, skipped steps and then there was like the acceleration algorithm by the university of michigan is that right is that the one that's in clipper 
Uh, <laughs> okay, so, sorry. sorry I, I, I actually there. stumbled upon that one algorithm in Clipper. I think it's something different, but I think they're both going into the same direction. Okay. So they basically have a, a new acceleration algorithm, but instead of like releasing the technology and making it available for, for firmwares, they started a Kickstarter with a project called Ulendo, which is basically a cloud service where you subscribe to and then you connect your um, printer also, I think, to a Raspberry Pi. But the... Uh, the g-code the g-code is not streamed via octoprint but basically via a, a browser window window to the sorry aren't they i think they're not i think they're not streaming g-codes because that wouldn't make any sense yeah that what, what i'm what i'm trying to figure out I'm, I'm looking on the uh kickstarter page right now which by the way has 27 hours to go um when we're recording this and is mm -hmm. not looking like it's gonna meet its 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 goal but my question is what are they what is their product because if you have a a cloud service or something that is separate from your printer and you're saying hey it, it optimizes acceleration like it's the, the 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 firmware on the printer is still the same right that does mm -hmm. linear acceleration are they chopping that up into small acceleration segments or what's how 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 are they doing that okay so i didn't go into I, I didn't read it all. What are you basically blah, blah, blah. Um, so um, you are, I think, basically interfacing your printer with a Raspberry Pi, but the 3D printer needs to have a, a new firmware. I think just as with Clipper, that is not taking G-code commands, but I think it's, it's directly taking like uh, um, step commands. And... Right. So what you are basically purchasing is a user license to use that service on your printer for a limited, a limited amount of time. But the thing is, it's not universally applicable for any printer. And as they state in their Kickstarter, the first printer that's going to be available is the Lulzbot Task 6, um, okay. where they tune the settings in a way that you should be able to print two times faster if that's possible or not that's that's a different question but just then starting from that every couple of months they will release that product right. also for a, a different printer and i think that involves specific specific firmware and specific settings yep. for the cloud service yeah just found it here um install our open source firmware on your raspberry pi and 3d printer to allow them to connect to the cloud server running Orlando. so mm -hmm. you do replace the firmware on your printer um which is so it's it's clipper with a web service yep and clipper with web service with with pre-configured profiles okay 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 um <sighs> Yeah, the, the, I think what's the way they're failing here is just that they're making it way too obscure what they're actually doing. They're, they're mentioning um, modified B splines somewhere as the as their means of doing acceleration, mm -hmm. or filtered B, B splines. Sorry, um, filtered B splines. That's basically if you if you have um, like any vector tool and you have those those splines, right? Or keyframing. That's that's filtered or yeah. B splines. And then what the filtering is um, is probably just filtering out. Um, just a frequency filter basically that mm. reduces the frequency at which your printer resonates 
and just mm -hmm. leaves all the other frequencies uh, in place. It would be really interesting. So you you mentioned Clipper before. Clipper has a feature called input shaping, yeah, which also needs to be tuned. But then this also allows you to uh, significantly reduce the vibrations on your prints, which in the end allows you to uh, print faster. I personally, I personally have never used Clipper. Should probably do that at some you've, point. You've but probably done the groundwork to to enable that feature with your resonance testing and stuff. Maybe, maybe, um, but that's pretty cool. And I don't know, I, I just uh, stumbled into a, a rabbit hole of input shaping for, I don't know, <laughs> container movement and stuff like that, which oh, yeah, yeah. took a couple of minutes of my, of my life yesterday. But yeah, coincidentally, it would be interesting to see how their algorithm compares to input shaping, but I think they're basically doing something pretty similar. Um, one reason why I think that their Kickstarter failed is because they are at first making it available for a printer that I don't know is is not really that common. Yeah. That's if the... they would have made it for an NO3 yeah. as their first priority and if it would have already been working because they say they will release the working like cloud software uh like mid next year so there's still quite of quite a bit of uh, development uh, uh, necessary, but if they would have had something working for an end of three or some yeah. other printer that is way more common, I think way more people would have jumped on the on that bandwagon. Yeah, I, I think the, the the cloud service that which is basically what's locking you into their software as a service. Um, no. No, nobody cares that nobody wants that. Um, nope. What people want is the acceleration tuning and the speed tuning and the, mm. the, the the server part is just what they need to to manage their licenses. Yeah. Um, oh well. Oh well. But yeah, we we should we should probably look into Clipper. I I keep yep. getting suggestions of like, hey, have, have you ever that? used Clipper? I I might have used it once, um, okay. but it's it's been many years. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, in that rabbit hole yesterday, I saw a video of an eight-minute Benchy done on a on a Delta printer. I've seen that too. Yeah, which didn't really look that bad, and I thought, oh, it would be a really great project, um, like building a horribly fast three D printer for myself. Because we have discussed about that already in the past, but. I'm the impatient guy. If I want to have a part, I would rather have it in half of the time as having like double the print volume. Build and for this the reason, Voron. You've you've Sorry, seen what? the you build of Oron. You've seen the those those right? Full core X Y V O R O N. It's it's the it's the printer everyone suggests if it's like, hey, I want a, a DIY printer. That that thing is baller. Mm -hmm. Um I mean completely over the top. Uh, belt-driven z-axis with four motors so the z-axis actually goes faster than the x or y um, <laughs> full core xy platform up top fully enclosed um, mm. it's is it's pretty crazy okay. um, if you but want something fast is, like that's i think that's your one of the best bets but i thought about that this morning and i think i would rather go with a delta printer and strip the hot end down all the way so that it's at, as light as possible. I don't know if. But why are you worrying about vibration and, and ghosting? Like, 
we just talked about this. We've got Clipper. We can, yeah. you can, why, why do it in hardware when you can do it in software? Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's one of those magical things where, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but software is like, hardware has progressed to a point where it's just like, you're getting diminishing returns. You can put mm-hmm. more and more effort into it. But at mm-hmm. some point, you're always like, you're saying, wait, you want to you make it super light. You're always going to have some sort of a heater block, some sort of a heater. You're going to have wires. You're going to have, you know, connector parts, bearings, all that that needs to be moved. And at some point, you're just, you're going to, you're not going to make it any better by stripping more weight. You're going to make it less rigid, in fact. Um, so there there is a limit to how far you can go. So now software comes in and, and takes you that extra step. And there's still a lot of untapped potential there. Uh, I'm so tempted to do that. <laughs> I don't have the time for that. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll just keep that in mind. Voron. Voron design. Yeah, they've, they've that... got... It's a fully... It's a community enthusiast project. It's completely, fully, totally open source. Um, they've got two different printers, two different models. Um, they've mm-hmm. got the, oh God, is there a name? No, there's just the Voron 012. So I guess the two is the newest one. And they've got the switch wire, which is, I think, a more compact one. Okay. Um, or a, a lower profile one. Yeah, you can get the the full CAD designs. I've imported that in Interfusion already. And you can, it's, it's crazy. Cool. It, it's absolutely crazy. I need to take a look at that. Yeah, yeah I think but, it, it, it would not necessarily... So if if I just out of my head, if I would design something like that, I think I wouldn't make the build volume bigger like 150 by 150 millimeters. True. Because you want That's to have right. it as sturdy as possible. I'm I'm pretty sure you can scale down the design. Just make the um make the V slot or extrusions yeah make those a bit shorter and it should be fairly straightforward well that there are a few printed panels but they're not like essential for function yeah yeah that is okay that's that um I'll think about that war on war on there was one more thing that I wanted to bring up I don't know yeah I I was looking into it um because I wanted a printer that had a a z-axis or a bed basically that was completely separate from the xy so wait in the voron yeah that the bed is completely static so it's not even moving up down like in an ultimaker but it's it's literally static and i needed something that would allow me to replace that with something that is large heavy and chunky but that might be a project for for another month okay i need to build to build the the voron first um yeah, so that that was that was fast printing by Ulendo or with Ulendo. Unfortunately, not finishing the Kickstarter or not completing the Kickstarter successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, another approach to fast three D printing would be the rotational three D printing. Um, that's actually been something that I've seen at uh, f- not not Form Next Fabcon. Fabcon and Repitech, I think two years ago or something, um, which was at that point a research paper by, oh God, I'd have to look it up. The the interviews on the um, on the channel from uh, from Fabcon, which I recorded, um, and 
yeah, basically what they were doing is they were taking a um, a round glass container with resin in it and they were using, a, I think, a DLP projector, some sort of a projector just projecting through that resin. So basically you had like rays of light, of, of light that would cure the resin going through the entire the entirety of the material and then you were rotating that pod slowly and with every rotation step you got like a new angle of um of where your, your object was you were looking at at your object from a different angle and you were exposing it with that view basically so it's reverse uh cct not not uh, mri scanning yeah reverse yeah. ct um scanning and basically the prints were done in i don't know a minute 30 seconds so you, you basically reached into that part and it was like, there's your part, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> and that was that was incredibly impressive. And it looked like they had it pretty much figured, figured out. So now we're seeing that process in a product. So that is XOLO, solo, shallow. They're calling it solography. Um, and basically it's, it's exactly that in a finished product. Did they say when they're planning to, to, to bring something like that to the market? Uh, the researchers? Um, solo. Solo. Hold on. I mean, this, this is a availability. Let's see. Uh, early in the development process. Mm. Okay. But yeah, it is, it is being put into, into a physical product. That's basically cool. the news. Um, and it's always nice to see research papers and, and experiments like that actually turning into a, a real product and not just something that sits in a sh on a shelf or uh, worse yet gets turned into a patent that then, you know, gets sold to some sort of a patent troll and never used. Yeah. That, that sucks. But yeah, this is an actual product. And at some point, you're going to be able to, to purchase a machine based on it. Yeah, unfortunately, it's probably going to be like proprietary a proprietary process so unfortunately i think we won't be seeing that like cheaply available for a while yeah well i I don't know how much of that process has been patented already um mm. but the, the process itself is not something that is like super complex i think I, i've i've got a dlp projector i've got some resin in the, the circular container like i could probably mm. reproduce that with little effort except for like the software part which i mean once you know how it works it I, I i don't think it's too hard either no it's not too hard there are actually uh, open source softwares around where you can sure. do um put an stl in there and basically do ct scanning on that on that stl file uh this is available and you can i think just from how i understand it just take those images and basically project them on the resin yeah for me, it would be interesting to know if the resin is also key part of that process because I think what's important there is that the resin doesn't like gradually ha. cure. Great question. It... <laughs> so great question. Yeah. Um, exactly. And, and that that was actually when I so at Fab 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 Fabcon. Um, they actually hired me to record all the talks. So I was running like three or four cameras and I was also there and I was genuinely interested in some of the stuff that um, was being talked about. And one of the questions I asked for that topic was, 
you know, what do you do with like the half cured resin that you have naturally occurring where, you know, the light still passes through, but you don't get apart. Mm. And the answer was pretty simple. You heat it up and it, it resets. So <laughs> apparently that's okay. something you can do with resins. Um, when they're activated by light, like apparently mm-hmm. there's there's like a, a threshold of how much energy it needs to absorb for a certain mm-hmm. volume for it to actually start curing. But mm-hmm. once you once once you heat it up, I think it was like sixty or seventy degrees or something. Um, mm-hmm. It resets, and it, I'm I'm sure it's not like infinitely repeatable, but it keeps the resin from like completely spoiling. Okay. And did, did appa- we apparently already that, talk about? Yeah. Sorry. Go apparently ahead. that's that's with regular resin, like nothing really special. Okay. So because this was my question, uh, because. <laughs> I was asking myself if you need a special resin that basically is in its uncured state until it absorbed a specific amount of of light and then just at some point like from being totally uncured going to the cured state because if you would not have that yeah you basically have a big blob of goo only in that or you would have to basically toss out your entire um resin vat every time you, you print yeah did we like in one of the last podcasts talk about the um 3d printing resin science video that goobertown hobbies released we did ago? not we did not did you, did you see that i did I, not i need to put the that's really interesting so i think this guy is usually painting miniatures but he is a phd chemist and he made a a 30 minute video on um 3d printing resin science where he talks about um how the how the different um the different ingredients in a resin work together to make it photosensitive and also talks about why uh eligu bioresin is just a bullshit claim <laughs> um so yeah. definitely watch it I'll I'll put the link into the show notes it's it's really worth watching it's a great video Please do yeah it's resins I mean with with filaments it's pretty simple right you have a plastic you make you get it hot and it gets soft or you know melts you know casually speaking mm-hmm. um but with resins it's there there's I'm I mean I'm not super deeply into it but it's it's a bit more complex than just getting it hot and, and getting it molten yeah and yeah most people, myself included, aren't like completely aware of, of how that stuff works. Yeah. It's just, hey, you know, I, I get this liquid, I, I, I shine some light on it, and it gets hard. Like, that's all I need to know. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah, if, if you want to know more in that direction, really check out that video. Yes. And we're also going to have the um, talk, the original talk um, from Fabcon in the description down there as well. Mm-hmm. So, Stefan, if, if you're interested in, in the backgrounds of that, have a have a watch as well. Yeah, cool. Okay, so that is rotational printing or, or sholometry. It, it, X, X is a know. weird letter. All, all the time I hear that it just reminds me of Xerox. Solo right. Xerox, which is... I don't know if they want to make a really bold claim that this is the new way of printing, like Xerox was the like totally new way of copying stuff. Just I don't Did, know. I always Xerox have it actually, in my body when 
Did Xerox actually invent the photocopier? I don't know if they invented the photocopier, but I because it's think like... it was also called Xerography. Was basically oh, yeah. like the Hoover or the Tempo or the yeah, I don't Tisa. know. <laughs> Whatever Tisa. you have. Um Okay, wow, they've been just looking at Wikipedia here. Like that I know that's fun to listen to, like two dudes looking at Wikipedia. They've been around for for a while. And yeah, there's this whole okay. We're not gonna go too deep into that. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. <laughs> moving on. So that was a I, it's it's the third video for fast print uh, the, the third topic for fast printing today so we've done the acceleration optimization we've done rotational printing and now we have fluorescent switched sla printing um another article from fabalu we're on fabalu which is a uh, it's another resin printing process but it's god how do i explain this without the image <laughs> that's that's gonna be tough okay so typically on a on an SLA print, now that the comparison does make sense. Um, <laughs> so again, like in the rotational printing, you start with a vat of resin that is, you know, or a, a container full of resin, and you're doing kind of the same thing. You are projecting an image through the entirety of the resin, but instead of rotating the container and kind of relying on the intersections of of where the, the material absorbs the most energy you're now you're leaving the, the vat static you're leaving the projector static and now you have a second axis that is basically a line laser or a, well, a line laser that activates one plane of the resin of the liquid resin mm -hmm. and basically moves through the resin i guess from back to front would make sense um and then wherever that that secondary laser activates that one plane of resin it can cure from your projector image so that's it the interesting part about this is you have again you have your parts suspended in resin you don't move it you don't have to peel it from a surface like you do with uh, traditional sla printing and i don't know if it's well it's, it's certainly going to be faster than sla because you have no moving parts for the resin part itself you just basically scanning through your resin vat um, so is then like the interaction between the the line laser and the projector the reason why the the resin hardens it's so uh not quite so it's not like you you're taking um what's the process where you're like engraving a 3d image into a, a glass or acrylic piece um holographic no something um it's not like that where we're basically you know focusing on a point on, in the resin it's literally that line laser is activating the resin itself for mm -hmm. being receptive to the projector and it's two different wavelengths um the activation um pattern is basically it's uv light it's 385 mm -hmm. um, nanometers and then your actual image projection is 532 so it's a green mm -hmm. projector and by default the resin is not susceptible to to hardening from that green light it's only susceptible to hardening where you hit it with that uh, uv projector mm. now one thing that that actually comes to mind right now is is that is that activation by the uv led is that reversible um so is it only activated where you get mm -hmm. um the uv light hitting it or mm -hmm. is that like 
you're you're basically you're you're consuming that that part of the resin by hitting it with uv kind of like you're hitting it with uv and then it, it hardens forever i don't think the the article is very clear about that but yeah it's in the article they are talking about a pattern that was released or is there already like a working prototype uh, was granted a few weeks ago so it might just be it might just be the patent but you know when whenever there's a patent I'm, you know my my optimistic mind says okay there's a there's an actual process behind it <laughs> Because they are very specific about okay, we need um, we need green lights to activate this. We need a UV well, we need a green LED projector to project the image, and we need a UV light to to activate it. It, it feels like they've actually done it. Okay. Um, I think in either this or the other article, they were talking about okay, so this removes layers and steps and stuff like that from 3d printed parts which i find kind of misleading because you're still yeah. using like a discrete projector that has discrete pixels even though they might be washed out a little bit more yeah you still kind of expose voxels or pixels or pixel layers or, or things like that so yeah, with it's even even with the rotational one where you would um, where basically if you have individual pixels like in the x direction mm. and you're rotating about z, um, you are smearing those x pixels together. But mm. in the in the z direction, you have the y axis of your projector, and it's still individual pixels, so you're still getting mm. layers essentially. Yeah, yeah. Also, one of the interesting things or downsides well which i know from ct scanning is that for example the rotational axis is always an axis where you can't really where you have problems uh just because it's it's basically always exposed and also layers that are perpendicular or no parallel to the uh, well uh, um, x-ray beam in, in ct scanning probably also yeah. in, a, in a similar way in here um where you have problems of getting a sa same resolution as um on other surfaces of the part yeah or the same amount of details so i think it's it's still pretty tricky i it, it could still be the case that uh, maybe in the beginning the applications are well not totally uh, totally broad because yeah. some parts just don't properly print that way, but also due to, well, different processes and uh, different ways of creating the pictures. So so software basically in the background, uh, this could also be improved. Yeah, but as, as always, you know, every process has its limitations and I'm sure these like suspended resin printing processes, these, these two different mm -hmm. ones, yeah, they have their downsides, they have their limitations, but they also have massive upsides versus um, what we're traditionally doing with SLA printing or laser SLA um, uh, or FDM printing, which by themselves, I mean, we've we've gotten used to what they, to all the things they cannot do. Mm -hmm. And you know now we're we're just getting a, a different set of rules, basically. 
Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what we're saying with like the, yeah, I see that when you have a, you're basically taking a slice and then looking up top on that slice, you, I, I'm sure you can't reproduce every possible combination of details. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if that's offset by the fact that the projectors typically don't beam their light through it perfectly parallel, parallel, but they're actually kind of widening up. So you're not, your, your layers as you rotate them, they're, they're not like flat mm. layers that you just spin, but you're actually projecting through the layer at a different angle every time. I, I think the, but I'm not sure about that. I think the, the basic idea is that the beams are parallel because otherwise it might not properly work, but I could also be wrong. No, I think if you do CT scanning, also your beam, your X-ray beam is spread out. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah, for, we, forget about we, that. We, but, we, but we are not involved that deeply in that. No, we are not involved <laughs> in that. But but maybe just on on that remark, why is continuous? Why can't we print continuous on our just like basic Elegoo Mars um, MSLA three D printers? So why can't we move our Z axis continuously and and always cure the layer? that is like the closest to the resin that is that is the reason for that that well somehow resin needs to flow in there so maybe you you need to would you would need a um something like like optics to focus your image at so do it on a different point. plane do it on a different plane um just 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 on that mark why isn't that more common because I don't know. I, I I see this as a way more low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. So if you if you focus on a different plane, like you're always going to cure the resin that's like below that plane as well, even if it's that's this... even if it's blurry yeah. and stuff. Yeah. If unless you use that second patent that we that we have here, without that second approach. Um, but with the traditional hardening process where you have an LCD that gives off diffuse light basically you need to cure like right up against that lcd and i think it might that there might not be a a curing point where you both get a model that is rigid enough to support itself and to support details but also does not bond to the fep film because if you have something that if you cure enough to to the point where where it starts bonding to the fep film again you're just you're gonna get slipstick basically. You're gonna you're gonna mm. cure some to it, then it's gonna pull mm. the FEP up, and then it's gonna release mm. again, and then you, you, that's not gonna work. So yeah, yeah I, 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 or, or you would need something that is like so resin repellent that you can you can cure it a lot, and then just lift it off by by moving up. But that might be material that doesn't exist. Then you still would need to have a way that new resin flows into well the, the forming True. gap. For this reason, you basically would need to have a bigger gap and focus your image in a way that you have an image plane which is above the like the bottom of the resin vat. And I don't know if, if that's just... If the reason why that is not that common is because there is a pattern that you need to have optics to focus it on a different plane or something like that, or if it's more complex than I currently think. I think it's interesting because I, I think I've seen continuous Z-axis 3D printing and I was asking myself, okay, why why, why isn't this not possible with basically more or less standard 3D printing? Because the current ones, they just have the screen. They don't have any optics. 
Yeah. And they rely on the fact that your resin is basically very close to the screen so that the image doesn't blur out. Exactly. Um, what is the clip process by Carbon? Because I'm, as, as if I remember correctly, they are advertising that as, as continuous. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's exactly what you're describing. So I found an article on, on 3D Grenzlos.de. Um, they're basically doing exactly that. They're creating a dead zone, um, which is a thin layer of, of non-hardened resin between your image source and your mm. printed object. So that's where it can flow back into it. Um, how are they doing that? Okay, by adding oxygen. Right, so that they're basically, I guess that they're creating a, per, or they, they have a permeable uh, membrane between your, your projector source and your resin vat, and it, it kind of gives off oxygen into the resin, mm -hmm. or it, it enriches the resin with oxygen at that point, and that's where it, the, the light can pass through without actually hardening it. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm guessing the oxygen somehow then gets uh, dissipated again or, or gets removed from the resin or I don't know what happens to it mm -hmm. at the point where it then hardens. So you need that layer for the resin to, to flow back in. Mm -hmm. Like how... Hmm. How does it get rid of the oxygen again? But yeah, mm -hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a solution to the exact thing you, you were describing. Yeah. 100 times faster. Times and I'm faster. sure there's a patent on it. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, if Which it's... is probably the reason why it's not that more common because I yeah. think other companies would have yeah, jumped on that idea if they can print 100 times faster okay. and not just two times faster. Yeah, well... <laughs> as Orlando promises. Why, why, do, why do 2x when you can do 100 times? On the topic yeah. of patents, um, just because it fits in, uh, you guys have... Probably by the time this this um, yeah you've you guys have seen the video Stefan you've not seen this before this is the um, by the time we're releasing this podcast the video will be out this is the Wham Bam Mutant um, it is a quick change tool system patent pending um, that basically it gives you you know that's the that's the assembled part um, you have a mobile plate that has you know an electrical connection to the um, to the base plate base plate mounts to your carriage to your whatever um and then you slide them together i don't know we can see like that you slide them together it's a dovetail mate that tightens up at the bottom slide it together push it in and then you lock you lock the lever and it's solid um so basically you get uh electrical connections you get a mechanical joint it's all injection molded plastic so it's pretty robust um and it's patent pending. So this is something that Wham Bam's gonna be able to make, but nobody else is gonna be able to reproduce or use in some way um, that is similar to it. Now, why am I bringing this up? Um, well, patent pending, we were talking about patents. There's another quick change tool system on Kickstarter right now, the X change, mm -hmm. patent pending, um, which is different. So the exchange is more of a, so it's got four pins that basically go into sockets and then it has a magnetic catch on that. So you have your X, 
Z forces um, captured by those pins and then the release in the Y direction, I guess, is just the magnet. Um, but yeah, it's kind of bothering me that all this stuff is is so quick to get patented. Like I don't know, I don't know what exactly about the exchange and about the the mutant is the patented bit. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's so sad. We we only have three D print. We we have three D printing exclusively because the the original FDM patent expired. We don't yeah. have belt printers because there's a patent on it. We don't have uh, what else was I going to bring up? I I gotta check the script. But we we don't. Yeah, heated chambers. We don't have them. We can't print PEK because there's a patent on it. There's so many things that are being locked away by patents these days where it's like we're going back into the dark ages. It almost feels like we're going back into the dark ages of the 1990s where stuff was just inaccessible because there, you know, it was a minefield. Hmm. And it it looks like it's again becoming a minefield by so many companies immediately patenting their crap. Um sure this is this is a good system it works i, I mean i i see there's development effort being put into it but like what's the patentable bit about it is it the fact that it's a that it's literally a quick change 3d printed tool platform that uses a dovetail is that is that it uh, we, 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 i feel like we're missing out on so much the, but 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 this is the problem with patents and why there are patents because either people spend their spare time developing stuff but as soon as a company gets involved and needs to invest uh, needs, needs to invest in injection molds and other R&D work and design iterations and things like that they kind of have to make sure that they got their return on investment and the only way more or less the only way they're able to do that is to to patent their stuff because otherwise like three weeks later you have the same part looking almost exactly the same for half of the price coming from china but it's not stopping them it's not it's not working it's not stopping china you can get uh slice engineering mosquito clones that's a patent system but you can buy it they theoretically have a means of stopping the imports of of those yeah. yes but does it work no <laughs> um yeah so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but um, i don't know if that's really an excuse for not pet something not i'm already missing the words yeah um, but it, you know what i mean yeah I mean, so in in principle patents yes sure they're, they're a great idea they they give you a um a competitive advantage by making sure you are the only company who can legally use that process that you developed right that's the mm. Um, that's the thing with patents but patents also have the limitations like they theoretically not in practice it's entirely different but theoretically you can only patent like non-obvious things which includes combining two pre-existing things into one like saying okay we've got a tool change and we're using a lever Um, that shouldn't be patentable Um, or we've got a dovetail and an electrical connection that it it needs it, it by law it needs to be more complex than that again i'm not a lawyer but that's my understanding of the thing and it's like 
it's a, a pattern. If if you look through the patent script, the patent text, it's so far abstracted from what the actual thing is. And it's like, okay, apparatus A for use in uh, where apparatus uses X, Y, where apparatus uses Z in combination with that. It's like they're, they're going so broad with their applications where it's... Mm. It, it almost feels like you can't innovate anymore. You can't make a, a, a complete innovative product without bumping into everyone else. And mm. again, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not against patents. It's just 20 years is a long, long time. Might have 20 years might have been fine in like 1830, um, mm. where the difference between 1820 and 1840 was steam. Where the trains? Yeah, sure, surely St steam engine and slightly faster steam engine. When were steam engines yeah. around? Rough, roughly correct, right? Um, 20 years was fine for that. But nowadays, where 20 years is literally the, the difference between, oh, my computer is a gray box that, you know, maybe runs, uh, I don't know what, Prince of Persia 1, um, to, oh, cool, I've got the, the processing power of a supercomputer in my phone and I can reach anyone in the world. 20 years is, is way too long for that. Oh, my yeah. supercomputer just burst. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah it's it's just frustrating and it's 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 keeping the entirety of 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 3d printing and i'm sure other industries as well it's keeping mm. it back because there's just just one more thing before before i hand over to you um there is a concept called friend fair and reasonable something licensing where patent owners can be forced to sub license their patents to competitors when, for example, it's the patent to access uh, the 5G network. Stuff like that is is classified mm. as friend. But most of the stuff is not friend. Um, so, yeah, they the patent owners now have the ability to basically keep everyone else from building something similar. And yeah. at that point, basically, your engineering time is spent working around patents uh, and not mm. actually developing new stuff you're reinventing the wheel over and over again just to evade you know those those core patents and stuff okay maybe <sighs> just just on that on that note um patents don't always need to be like offensive patents uh, companies patent a lot of stuff true for defensive terms that nobody else can come around and say okay i patented on that and you can't do this anymore and this is also a totally legitimate way that you are patenting, you are patenting something to have like at least for a short amount of time that you don't have to um, that you shown, don't have to publish it already during well basically when you had the idea um, you can develop the product patent it bring it onto the market and you have at least for a couple of months to a year or two a bit of an competitive advantage because you already um, produce the parts and can sell them and, and, yeah. and stuff like that. But your main goal is not to enforce that patent on others. So you basically just say, okay, I don't want, don't want anyone else to prohibit me selling that in the future. But if somebody else is making basically the same, I won't enforce it. Um, because I kind of honor, um, for example, the work that companies do around 3D printing and trying to to to, to evolve it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what they have in mind. 
um, a patent is costing a lot. I don't know if this True. is just an American patent, if it's a European, Russian, Chinese, whatever patent. But there can be also different reasons than to just block the market or block others on the market to make something totally the same. Because defending a patent can also be really expensive. Yeah. Um and maybe you don't even want to defend it maybe you just want to own it and say hey i own it without actually going to trial and and getting it uh challenged basically yeah, as i said as just as no, no, defensive that as, as in oh, as in your patent is bullshit and you don't want a, a judge to say hey this is bullshit okay. you, you just want to have it in your patent pool because that is that is something that that also happens when you know a company gets sued for patent infringement it's like yo i've got this patent that um you're infringing on the company can say well but i've got these 50 other patents that you know 90 of might be you know irrelevant but they can say okay i've got this patent pool and you know let's come to an agreement that you know you don't sue me i don't sue me or you drop this i drop this and we're good like that's something that that very often happens um where basically the goal of a company is to have a patent pool that just is numbers that is very little substance but just um yeah. you know we 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 need to have enough patents to in case somebody else sues us we, we need to be able to to say okay here companies deal. and yeah. departments are sometimes also measured or rated in how many patents they yeah, release which, in a year it's i'm i'm not saying what well my, my point is the, the system is broken um the, the it's it's kind of like a don't hate the player hate the game situation like the system is broken and i can see why the co why companies are patenting stuff i just disagree with it entirely um no. just one more note on on defensive patents um that's a it's an it's yes it's a noble move to say okay we, we, we're only going to use these patents defensively um but you do have to document that some somewhere um because otherwise everyone's going to assume you you are using those offensively um, I think Tesla at some point said, okay, we are only, we, we're open sourcing our patents. We're only going to use them defensively, basically. Um, mm. We don't sue you, you don't sue us kind of thing. They might have stopped doing that. I'm not sure about that. Um, but yeah, if if you're saying we we are just keeping these in the portfolio for our defense, then mm. make it make it public and, and make sure people know mm. about that. I'm quite sure if you would go through the RepRep forums or Facebook or whatever, they're tool changing and having a connector in that block is probably something that somebody else already thought about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. RepRep so, forums. Yeah, defending that patent before a judge, as you already said, could could be hard. Yeah, but um, but that the the goal yeah. of a patent, the goal of a competitive advantage, is already achieved by the time you get the patent granted to you. Hmm. Like just yeah. having that, it, it doesn't yeah. doesn't matter if it doesn't hold up. Um, it yeah. just you, as long as you have the patent number on it, that's that's good enough. That keeps others from trying to mm -hmm. replicate it, because yeah. then they have and to it go. Looks cool. It's kind of a it's kind of a you know. It's, it it turns it's a turn off for me if if something says hey patent pending or patent number x y z but it's a turn off for you for probably 99% 
of the rest of the world sure. patent, patent pending on, on a product it just means this must be quality. It's, this must be proper engineering. This must be something new and innovative. Yeah, it's like as yeah. seen on TV. It's it's that it goes, you know, same same breath as that. Um, yeah, but okay, back to this. I'm gonna have a video on this, but yeah, tool changing. Uh, there's there's more and more tool changing stuff coming out, and there's there's different solutions to different problems. So the way I see this one is it's it feels I mean it feels a bit rough and and clumsy, and the parts the injection molded parts are warped, and it's like yeah but once it's clicked in this is solid like you could put I, I you could probably put like one of those 450 watt um router spindles on it and this would not mm -hmm. be the weak point um super solid but it doesn't allow for like automatic tool changing like you'd see on the uh well i e3 guess yeah the e3d tool changer but the the exchange kind of also doesn't allow that because the the release mechanism with the magnet lever you would also need to yeah. to automate that somehow. Um, but like something might I just still, want... might, might still be fine for putting a, a spindle on your sturdy three D printer to do some basic routing or a laser attachment or something like that. Absolutely. I don't know what what they what they have in mind. Do they have in mind that you put different hot ends on your machine, or do they have in mind that you okay. use this tool changing plate for adding? different capability to t different capabilities to your uh, motion platform so yeah obviously these these manual tool changes are not going to be for multicolor printing or multi-material printing you're not going to manually change your tool every layer um but uh <laughs> though it, it would be a fun experiment um so obviously so okay this is something i i do want to bounce off of you they are selling a one backplate one one mobile plate kit um as basically saying, okay, you can take your tool head off of your printer and work on your tool head separate from your printer. It's not having a backup spare tool head. It's not being able to swap them. It's just you take this off and you work, you, you, you do your uh, thermistor swap or, or heat break fix or whatever you need to do. You do it outside of your printer. Is that something that you would see reasonable to spend 85 bucks on? For the for, for for adding this and then of course having to print all the adapters and mounting your stuff to this new system, is that something you you see as worthwhile? What are you usually That's doing not a when yes. you're working on your hot end? Uh, unclogging a nozzle, changing a nozzle. If that's inconvenient, un, un, inconvenient on your machine. So with because, one plate, no, 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 I don't okay. think so. If because, you have like a, a second plate, I think it's it might be worthwhile if you, for example, regularly print like very flexible material or yes materials which might not work well together. Yes, we'll we'll get to that in a second. So okay. my let, let me just finish up the the single plate um, offering for now because my thinking is okay if you're if you're putting this on just so you can service your tool head more easily. Like you're planning for failure. You're, you're planning for the event mm. that stuff fails. Like why not spend those 85 bucks and get yourself a Himera? Well, you can't buy them, mm. but that's that's a different story. Um, mm. Why not set, set yourself up for success and actually upgrade the components you put onto this instead of spending instead of spending the money to, to be able to like fix the stuff you put on it? Um, that's the same discussion why... <laughs> 
people buy Ender 3s and spend like 300 bucks on modifications and improvements, whereas they could just use that amount of money and buy something proper in the first place. Yeah, well, it the, goes in the same direction. The it's, thing not, is, it's not totally the same. The thing is, other than the the Prusa Mini, there's just not that much like in the affordable range. But like, okay, different story. So the other thing is, um, they have a kind of like the exchange. They have a one by three kit, so one base plate, mm -hmm. three mobile plates, um, and what they're with the so it's one hundred forty five or one hundred fifty bucks roughly. I need to to look up the exact pricing. Same as the exchange, basically. Um, and applications are okay you can put um like a volcano and a regular hot end um you can put a um an experimental tool head where you have one that you know is good and you, you keep like in the in the shelf and you know it's always going to be able to to get your printing and you use a separate one um where you do i don't know weird weird nozzle stuff um we, we know we're, we're all into weird nozzle stuff but um you you do that on your on your one plate that you can experiment on and you keep the other one ready or you have um i i'm not sure if the designs for these plates are going to be like public uh I'm, I'm gonna need to ask peter about that um but i've seen these mobile plates printed as just a passive plate with no electricity and just a marker mount or a you know felt pen basically mm -hmm. that you know enables you to convert your 3d printer into a plotter i've done that on printers in the past it was a huge mess because you have to like modify stuff left and right and you're messing up your printer basically um so that's that's a pretty yeah that's i think that's a legitimate application for being able to, to actually swap out tool heads right that's that's what it's all about but how they, how are they and how are they handling for example, if you would if you would change from a normal extrusion head to a laser head, how are they? Do they also offer a solution that make the firmware changes that might be necessary? Nope. Okay, because nope. if you just remove the the thermistor, um, yeah, the is gonna freak out. Yeah. Um, nope. Nope. No. So the uh, again th so this this thing is getting announced i think today or tomorrow or something um the exchange guys do offer i think firmware for some printers that are pre-configured for tool changing marlin does support tool changing mm -hmm. where it's like okay you select yeah. this tool and it, it loads i think presets for thermistors and stuff um i i figure you would need to disable the safety features uh the thermistor min temp um once you remove this and replace it with a plate that does not have a thermistor mm. or you could just put a thermistor in your in the plate you're replacing this with like you, you measure the temperature okay. of your felt pen yeah. just make sure you're not going mm. too fast and make sure it's not burning up mm. um yeah that uh e-steps is i mean that there's no i guess you could hook up some sort of a of a small e-prom to this to the plate or something but it that that's that's your challenge then that's that's your problem to fix essentially um what this this mutant plate or your system is basically it's just the mechanical and electrical connection everything else is for you to figure out just a building block essentially okay interesting yeah very interesting it's it's just it's nice to see these things but this thing feels super rough I, I 
Okay. I, you can you can kind of see the uh, on the on the streaming. Oh mm. God, yeah, you can really see it. Um, it's called what? What's it called? Um, sinkholes, sink, sink, pitting, sink something where you have. I don't know, mm. maybe, maybe too, too uh, thick material. I I don't know how I can switch to my to my webcam view that you're seeing, mm. but basically, is is the plate so solid that they have those sh uh, shrinking areas? Yeah, it's literally just a five millimeter chunk of uh, of plastic. Okay. So this is solid, which also, I mean, is a good thing. It does have a, a mounting pattern in mm. there, but um, if, for example, you know, these don't line up with a Hemera, for example, mm -hmm. but you can just drill your own. Like this is mm -hmm. just solid um, carbon, not uh, glass fiber reinforced uh, nylon. You can just, you can drill your own holes anywhere. This is all just mm. solid stuff. So it has its ups and downs. So yeah, if 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 you've seen this episode, then you don't need to watch my my video. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, but you know whose videos people are watching? Oh yes, Mars Gizmo. <laughs> what a the the biggest three D printing YouTuber I didn't oh, know about. B bigger than Joel, bigger than Angus, bigger than RC Live on. Yeah, combined. And he like. All, all of us together, that guy gets more views than all of views, us. Views, yeah. So, I'm not a TikTok guy yet, or I don't know. Um, Mars Gizmo, I think, is one of the biggest 3D printing, uh, sorry, 3D printing TikTokers with almost a million followers on there. And just uh, a couple of days ago, I got a video in my recommendation feed about something 3d printed and i've seen this guy again he is on youtube for four months five months couple of months and he has already like 800,000 subscribers doing five million views every day this is just something <laughs> well we, we could basically dream of five million views is something i get in like four months and he's doing that yep. every day why, why are we even bothering, man? Like, why, yes. why, why are we making 10-minute-long videos? Yeah, yeah. But before we start with that, what, what Mars Gizmo is doing. So I think he, he is coming from TikTok. So he oh, yeah. is posting like 30 seconds to one-minute videos about things that he mostly, I think, printed from um, Thingiverse. I think the videos are well done. Uh, he nicely narrates them. So he also puts attributions in in his uh, descriptions and stuff like that. So that's that's totally fine. But printing like one of these alien scissor things and yep. getting 10 million views on that and doing like a 40 seconds video on that, I would I would probably say I get a little bit jealous or envious. <laughs> it's it's uh, not and, and, uh, and ask myself why why we are putting so much time and effort in researching and making videos if you could just do yeah short time lapse videos of yeah parts and... you know why you know why why because we we suck at making videos we we suck at at, at youtube apparently um we suck at social media i'd say i wouldn't say that we suck at youtube i would say we suck at social media and uh finding the newest trend and yeah going on yeah but it's it's a 
for, for me that's that, that's kind of a decision okay do you do you completely hard switch to to that style of video and and make something new it's it's like a you know that would be a smart business decision from a mm -hmm. from a you know i want maximum revenue uh for the time i spend uh it's i don't know how long i could do that it's uh, for for me i'm always factoring in in okay you only have to do it for a year and you will earn more than you would now earn okay that's that's lifetime. a good point that's a good point um <laughs> For me, it's always does does making this sort of content make me happy, and 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 do I feel like I'm providing value? And mm. I'm sure I'm sure Mosk is is providing value there as well. It's entertainment, um, and yeah. it's you know it's it's just it's it's content that isn't for us millennials. It's it's uh, Gen Z content, right? Um, you know, attention span of like 21 seconds, which is is, is earlier videos. Now it's like 34, 42 seconds that's all you can you can get out of them all in portrait format oh yeah yeah exactly and youtube has actually youtube has greatly contributed to the success of this sort of um content as well where it's oh god ah cheesy music um accidentally click on, on one of the videos uh where on the on the youtube homepage, it's it's got its own section of short videos um i don't know if it's visible on the desktop i don't know on mobile it's it's like there's regular video then there's short videos then there's regular video then there's stories and there's um youtube is pushing that quite hard and i think he definitely caught the right moment where, where youtube was starting mm. to push that and he was one of the first guys in that mm. separate feed um mm. where only those short videos end up so i'm i'm not even sure if he released those videos as youtube stories I think he just no, no, not, not them stories. as regular videos. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> that's the thing about YouTube. They they want to try to be everything. So YouTube has regular videos. YouTube uh -huh. has stories. Stories is completely separate. Stories go away after seven days and all that. Um, but apparently, YouTube has a separate promotional feed. Let me see if I can if I can find it on my on my YouTube app, where out of the regular videos, it picks I think portrait format videos and um, and videos that are oh yeah there we go. Um, portrait format videos and videos that are less than a minute, I think, and shows it as a separate section. So I'm thinking I you, you can see that. Always, so, yeah, oh God, now I refresh. I thought those were always the YouTube stories. Nope, nope. So we've got regular video, we've got news, we've got a post, we've got stories where there's nothing. <sighs> then we've got ad, and then we've got short videos. Quotes of videos, yeah, short, short videos. videos. Yeah. Amazon Alexa Echo Show 5 under cabinet. 3D printed holder. Who is that? So oh, it's Mars Gizmo. Kitchen, <laughs> that's that's where he's he's getting the um, the views from, basically. That's he gets his he basically gets his own section on on YouTube on the YouTube homepage. Who is this? It's Engineer Risley, and sometimes my phone does it where it can't decode H two six four. But yeah, that's I would I would really be interested. If you, who are listening at the moment, if you knew this guy and if you are regularly watching him, I, I would really be interested what, what the audience is. Yeah, you said Generation C, um, but I was I was totally un unaware of that guy. And yeah, TikTok's a different world, man. It's uh, yeah. we we're getting old. It's like I need my a social media manager. <laughs> preferably like a 14 year old or something 
Yeah, gotta gotta keep up with yeah. the times. Um, if they're good, why not? The, the the I mean, the question is is because I didn't see an ad on that. Um, YouTube stories are not monetized. Uh, YouTube stories are mm -hmm. promoted to us YouTubers by YouTube basically as, hey, it's a way to reach your followers and to um, show them what you're working on and to gain subscribers. I don't know if these these quotes of videos, these short videos are actually making them any, oh, it's it's even got the, it's even got the, the TikTok banner in there. Mm. Um, I don't know if, if, if these are monetized in any way. So you might be getting millions of views, but like if there's no ads on it, you're not making a penny. Mm. Except YouTube Premium, maybe? I don't know. But uh, I don't know. Well, I, I, he's at least following me on, on Twitter. I'm quite sure he's also following you on Twitter. Ooh. So we should reach we should, we should read it out to him and get him on the podcast. Sure. Let's, let's reach out to the youngsters. Hello, fellow kids. Oh, what's, the, what's the meme? It's it's hello, fellow kids. Yeah, of course. Uh, we we are yeah. still laughing, but like in ten years, when my, my when my daughter's in that age, I, I I either will be totally up to date then because she can tell me anything everything, or um, I will be like totally messed up. The the thing is also like in ten years, you're gonna have the next thing coming along. Um, yeah, you know we we generation YouTube. We we managed to get our our foot in the door there. Um, you know, after us, there's a generation TikTok, and after that, there's going to be generation, I don't know what. Before us, there was MySpace, um, and you know, for for the people older than MySpace, there's Facebook now. So, like, the the, the question is like, Gen is generation Schülerfeld set? <laughs> oh yeah, Studiefeld set, sure. Mm. Um, you, Studiefeld, you, you're probably too young for that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Um, but the, the, the question that, that arises from that for me is like, should, should I, should we pivot? Should we just say, okay, YouTube is dying. YouTube is killing, you know, the platform. Um, should we dump that and just jump onto TikTok and just, you know, capitalize on that and then make sure we, we get our foot in the door there before, you know, we, we burn ourselves out on YouTube and just try and fail uh making content there that that actually reaches people but this is actually one of the questions that i had so you can see it in one direction that you only make content for those new platforms or you use those different platforms to also promote your content that you have on youtube where like the full video is but um, does the does the tiktok audience care about videos that are 15 minutes long and go in depth this is this is the big question because i think yeah as we said the 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 audience is probably different to the ones that are watching us at the moment but at least if you have 1 million subscribers on on tiktok there is a well, like significant percentage of people that are also interested in more educational and engineering materials so why not also monetize on that and maybe even inspire some of the kids to do something proper and not only watch like <laughs> fail videos TikTok is the wasn't it famous for dancing videos and stuff like that yeah because TikTok has a huge music library that is I okay. guess licensed even um, so stuff okay. that would just get content ID to death on YouTube you can upload on TikTok no problem um, the, the, the fact that he's saying something proper 
is like that that's already implying that you know doing tiktok and and making internet content isn't something proper because i mean we're we're, we're doing youtube stuff right is that that that's something that wasn't considered a proper job for the longest time and probably still isn't no it's still not if you talk to like basically the boomers (laughs) the boomers (laughs) Uh, uh, I yeah, don't know. It's as I say, yeah, guys. Let 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 me know uh, if, if 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 you watch that. If there are even 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 others that doing that are doing like, but you you gonna printing engineering things on on the, that platform that are maybe even worth watching. But you're gonna you're gonna if you ask our viewers, our listeners, uh, hey, do you do you listen or watch do you watch that sort of content? You're gonna get a no. Um, because it's a different it's a different ecosystem it's different bubbles yes you know there's yes, a TikTok yes, bubble there but, but you're they, trying they, to find the crossover the, yes and if there is already a big crossover between our listeners right here and this audience right there i need to think about if i'm not up to date anymore and if i <laughs> definitely need a social media manager yeah uh, what, what I've also seen is just um, if you have like project content, um, just an edited down version of you know sixty mm-hmm. seconds. I think I like to make stuff does that. Um, that is shareable yeah. on well Facebook or or Messenger platforms where it's like okay, I'm not going to spend fifteen minutes watching the full video, but I'm going to get a, a teaser of mm-hmm. a minute, and I'm still going to watch mm-hmm. it. And if I want to learn more, then I can jump into the full video. Maybe that's something we can do on YouTube as well, where it's yeah. Um, videos that show up in that feed, but are a short version of what we're already doing. There's there's Tag automatic it with Go ahead. life hacks, <laughs> and you're gonna be. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the the depth, the the pits of uh, yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? I don't know. I don't actually know. There is a feature to automatically. Oh yes, there, there's there's features to automatically uh, reframe content for different aspect ratios in Resolve and in I think it's Resolve 17 that's that's bringing that, and in Premiere as well. Okay. AI reframe yeah, where it's you can do the vertical content automatically, and it mm-hmm. automatically crops in on the on the correct portions, yeah. which will be ideal for that. Yeah. Oh well, we're getting All old. Right. We are already. We are getting old, and this, we are. I think are we already are like. 30, 1, 130, 140? Yeah, 130. Podcast. Right, timer. Maybe just go shortly over the questions. Yes. Um, I'm looking through them and it's basically Trimaline. So, it's Trimaline. So that's, that's your topic. Yeah. Clint is asking regarding Trimaline. Are the sellers of pom filament responsible <laughs> for the formaldehyde that it admits... Um, the, so, sorry, the, the, I, the, kerning is, the kerning is weird on the, on the M. It's like, well, is this palm filament or is it porn filament? (laughs) (laughs) Filament filament. filament Um, makers, there's an idea for you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) To be totally honest, I have seen palm filaments from different manufacturers and also the BASF Ultrafuse. And I haven't read like a specific warning on there. Um, Pay attention does emit harmful formaldehyde don't breathe it so in that regard 
I don't feel that bad anymore for myself, but I feel bad for like society as a whole. I, I think they should point it out because it's it's definitely a problem and you shouldn't be printing POM in your uh in your college dorm room. Oh yeah. Which sure. I'm quite sure people are doing. Oh Ultrafuse is POM based. 360 Ultrafuse, yeah. Yeah, Supposedly. I think it's using yeah. POM as a binder, as a as a primary binder. And then there is some other secondary binder that doesn't get released during the um during the burnouts or um where it gets to the to the brown state and um that leftover material is then burned out during sintering so and as i said i did not see any warning on there and they also i think don't specifically say in the in the material safety data sheet that it is pom but pom is pretty common in the um how's it called the pellet material from bsf for um, mim um cutter mold okay yeah yeah okay just yeah so checking yeah it's the the msds is basically for storing and for for handling the the filament itself but not for the printing process mm. which yeah. is kind of weird control. Yeah. so my old I, i'll probably like remodel my old office to my printing room but since that printing room is still like in our house and not in the basement or in a shed outside I'm really thinking about putting like a big ventilation system yeah. in there with a big charcoal filter from a grow shop and a H14 HEPA filter. Yeah. So just, just where all of the air is recirculated okay. all of the time. Because, yeah, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm scared, but I'm just, I want to make sure that I don't breathe too much of that yeah. stuff and since i have a small daughter in my house now i also don't want her to breathe that stuff and um since venting outside is always a problem with energy recuperation and all of that stuff yeah why not do it like the funny cigarette growers and yeah um yeah i mean i've got my my ventilation system in here in the studio um which is a not just energy but what's what's it called um with humidity recovery basically yeah um but it's it's also not 100 percent efficient so you can you can feel the air coming in is significantly colder um so it does mm. use a lot more energy than or heating energy to um than mm. if you just had a, a recirculating one but of course with recirculation you kind of need to to make sure that it's actually taking out the stuff that you tried to get out yeah for this well ultra fine particles are probably really hard to get out but i think a big industrial h14 hepa filter yeah, and a really beefy charcoal filter should filter out most of the stuff so and since i'm usually only printing pla ptg and some other stuff it's definitely better better than nothing and it's definitely better better than just venting my room every day just once and all of oh, the yeah. other time venting into our house exactly yeah yeah you maybe on to... the same mark jay yeah. 
Jphone1 was asking regarding the risk of printing Trimaline, isn't there even a health risk printing with ABS? You could probably make a disclaimer in front of every video because be careful, hot, hot end is hot. Uh, it's difficult to draw a sharp line when a warning is necessary and I think in this case you made the right decision. Um, just as we said, yeah, basically printing anything is harmful in one way or another. Uh, some are more, more uh, unhealthy and more obvious because ABS stings, but also PLA and PTG are probably not healthy. So just always keep that in mind and don't print in your college dorm living room. Yeah, yeah. the, the, the less air volume you have, like if you have mm. a really a, a college mm. dorm that's just two beds and mm. two desks maybe, then yeah that that's gonna fill up and uh, just accumulate particles and vocs and whatever else gets released much much more yeah. quickly than if you have a like an industrial hanger where you print with with a mm. single pla machine so just keep that in mind 3d printing llama is basically asking do a second video and uh point out the risks and also what's uh I think that was somebody else um, uh, was also asking about researching that topic or testing that topic in a more thorough way, which materials are emitting whatever. I would really like to do that, but I think in order to do that properly, you need equipment that is horribly expensive and yeah. that I don't have. So I don't really want to burn my fingers in that direction because yeah. you can basically only go wrong so on the topic of, of actually measuring emissions um there are papers on that there are there's been research done on exactly well not exactly but on how much different types of filament emit um and i've so what i i don't i don't have the means to reproduce that either what you can measure relatively easily is just a a VOC value, which isn't like an exact PPM or whatever. It's just a relative, okay, this is twice as much PPM than what you calibrate it against. And you can measure PM 2.5 and PM 10 particles very easily. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, just two days ago, I set up like a, um, they're called AROA, um, so air pipe. Um, it's, an, it's, a, it's a community driven project by the by university from Stuttgart, I believe. Um, you just, you, you get the sensor, you get a, um, a node MC, you put it in a box and you put it outside and it continuously uploads and measures uh, particle data. But uh, to the points like PM 2.5 and PM 10, really easy to measure. However, 3D printers don't really emit all that much when it comes to those rather large particles. Like 10 mm. micrometers is is a pretty chunky boy. Um, what you mm. kind of have to worry about is the, the UFPs, the ultrafine particles that are like 0.1 micrometer and below. Mm. And equipment to measure that is not that readily available. So, yep. yeah, like I said, I, I did try to measure if I was getting like any sort of, of, of tick on the uh, on, on the reading, but it's like it's it's so insignificant, um, the amount in that size that you can measure. It's like, yeah, you, you're not going to be able to find anything with the commonly available stuff. You are able to... I have like a 150 bucks... Uh, VOC PM 2.5 PM 10 and um, right. from aldehyde detector and it is definitely changing when I print next to it but VOC is probably more than I the particles and I and I 
think it also is different depending on the material. But on the other hand, how do you set up everything? Is what is emitting the particles? Are those the yeah. bearings? Are those the, the dust that covers your print bed and stuff like that? It gets horribly complicated. Yeah. So currently, I really want to stay away from that topic it's even though it's interesting yeah it's one of those things if you if you do it you have to do it properly and doing it properly is kind of out of reach so yeah cool all right i think we did it that concludes it for today i'm totally messed up and my <laughs> wife my wife is waiting for me to to finish our pax schrank that we oh <laughs> that we received Pax's, yesterday yeah. uh pax, and pax the ikea pax schrank is a big project yeah, I, I have one of those too. It took me like two days to fully assemble it. And I don't even have doors on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Well then, Stefan, thank you for taking the time. Um, thank you everyone for watching, listening, and joining us on this, uh, well, overdue episode. If you want to support us, you can do so by subscribing to this channel, to subscribing to our YouTube channels, or through Patreon. Um, yeah, and other than that, thank you, Stefan, for taking the time. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for watching as well. Put your questions down below. And until next time. Goodbye. Bye.